You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George Willis, which is from the sermon series, Winning the War in Your Mind. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Hey, good morning. Turn to your neighbor and wish him a, a, like a happy Sunday morning to say, I'm glad you're here today. I want to welcome each and every one of you to the I ate breakfast service. I ate breakfast. Okay, never mind. You guys will get it. I'll, I'll come up with more creative ways to greet the 1030 service. But uh, next week, just I want to get this out of the way. Next week, we're going to have a special service where we're going to celebrate our moms while we honor Jesus. So I know we're kicking off a new series today. Uh, We're going to have just a little bit of a break next week to say, moms, we love you. You're awesome. And we thank God for you. And then we'll kick back into this series on the 15th. Uh, Now, this gives a lot of us plenty of time to get the book and get caught up in in, uh, what we're uh, moving through. Um, and we have a special guest speaker next week just for the moms. I'm super pumped about that. Uh, I want to say up front before we get into this that everything that you're going to hear on Sunday is an echo or uh, a reminder of what's in the book, Winning the War in Your Mind. Uh, it's, it's a lot of what I'm learning, a lot of what Pastor Craig Groeschel has said. I'm going to be echoing him a lot and quoting him a lot. Uh, but here's the deal. I want to encourage you where this actually happens, where the application takes place is when you get connected to a Creekside small group that is going through this book. I'll tell you why. Because you're going to have an opportunity uh, to uh, encourage one another, build relationship with one another, maybe challenge one another, pray for one another. So if you're not in a Creekside group, that is going through this book, I want to encourage you to get into one today. You can see uh, someone at the Guest Central booth to sign up. The small group is where the application happens. Everybody cool with that? All right. Uh, Let me ask you this. I'm going to start off with a question. Has anyone at some point in your lifetime, now, maybe in the past, felt like, or maybe you feel like, or it seems like that there's this unending battle going on in your mind, that it never stops. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, that's probably every single one of us in this room. We're fighting something. We have this war going on in our mind. Maybe some of us here, we often fight uh, a battle in our mind between like this unwavering faith or what should be unwavering faith, right? And this fight between faith and crippling fear. And they go to war in our mind. Because I, probably every single one of us in in this room, we would say we really want to trust God. We really do want to trust God. But the flip side of that is we also want to be in control. Let's just be real. We want to be in control. One moment, you're walking in this confidence in your calling and purpose that God's given you. The very next moment, you're overcome by a crippling insecurity. 
a crippling insecurity that paralyzes you and keeps you from moving forward and it it really holds you back. What we know is that the mind is a battlefield. The mind is a battlefield and most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. I mean, this is, this is one where scripture and science both agree that most of life's battles are won or lost in our mind. The good news is, say good news. Good news. There is power in God's word. There's power in God's word. Not just to help us, but to transform you, to change you, to renew our mind with God's truth. Again, God's word is powerful. So today I want to look into 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And throughout this message series, we're going to really kind of get into the mind of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul who was a man where we could make the case that he was like kind of the ultimate thought warrior. He was a thought warrior. Now some of you may be going, who exactly is the Apostle Paul? And why is relevant to this battle in my mind because he's a guy that has battled, who has wrestled, who has warred, and eventually won. And as we look at the Apostle Paul's life, or life, we will see early on that he's someone who becomes a Christ follower, and then we see that Jesus actually renews his mind over time, renews his mind. And we can see, I mean, if you're familiar with Romans chapter seven, you can see where Paul goes through this battle in his mind, where he says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Can anyone relate? Sounds like he's crazy. But it's this battle going on in his mind. And we're going to watch the Apostle Paul progress through his life and his ministry as he learns to wage war against the lies that attack his mind. The lies. The lies that attack his mind. We're going to watch him capture wrong thoughts. Capture wrong thoughts and replace them with truth and win the war in his mind. This is what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not what? wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have what? Divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, the word stronghold may not be a word that you use in your everyday vocabulary. I mean, what is a stronghold? And this kind of translation of the Greek word really means it, 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 it's equivalent to a military stronghold. A military stronghold. It, it was a fortress that was built on kind of the highest point in the middle of a city. And it's typically, it was built with walls that were up to 20 feet thick. And it was this fortress that were, it was used to keep military officials safe and to keep war prisoners locked in and protected from the enemy attacks. The enemy attacks. What does our spiritual enemy do? He attacks our mind. 
He attacks your mind. What's, what else? Is he? He, he establishes strongholds of deception, a prison of lies that we end up living in. The enemy makes you believe something that's not true and keeps you far from God's healing and God's calling on your life. What does the devil do? He tries to shape your thinking. One thought at a time, one lie at a time until you are a prisoner of deception. What does the devil tell you? He tells you, you can't trust people. Don't listen to that guy speaking to you today. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He tells you, you won't succeed in life. He tells you, you're always going to be broke. What does the devil tell you? You will never have a good marriage. What does the devil tell you? God doesn't hear your prayers. He doesn't care about you. What does the devil tell you? You're never going to make a difference in this world. You'll never amount to anything. That's what the devil tells you. So how do we fight this fight in our minds? Well, Scripture tells us that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of who? God. So what do we do? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to who? Christ. Today's message is titled, Winning the War in Your Mind. I know that surprises a lot of you. But I'd like to, invite, uh, like to invite you to pray with me. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we're able to gather. And we thank you that your son went to the cross to give us freedom because he is the truth. So, Father, we ask by the power of your word today, renew our mind with truth. And may your truth, your living word, set us free. Amen. No more stinking thinking. Say that with me. No more stinking thinking. Turn to your neighbor and look him in the eye and say, no more stinking thinking. Today we're kicking off a message by Pastor Craig Rochelle. It's his book that he authored called Winning the War in Your Mind. If you don't have a copy, I encourage you to get one sooner than later. Um, it's a book based on the author's multi-year journey of asking God to renew his mind, to renew his mind through the power of God's word. And again, through a deep study of scripture and some insight from science, he discovered that, and you may already know this to be true, that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. That's truth. What we tend to think comes out in our life. And again, this is a place where both science and scripture can agree. And based on research on cognitive behavior psychology, say that 10 times real fast, <laughs> which shows that a lot of problems that we face, that we deal with, are related to wrong thought processes. I'm not preaching a sermon on think positive. That's not what I'm talking about. But a lot of the problems that we face and that we, that we deal with are related to wrong thought processes, like some relational challenges that we might have. Maybe uh, some eating disorders that some may have, some addictions, some forms of anxiety and worry are all a direct result of toxic thinking, to toxic thoughts. Now, that's the science. Science says that. 
God's word, which is absolutely true, says it this way in Proverbs 23, 7. For as, for as he, what, thinks in his heart, so he is. So one can conclude the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. What we think determines who we become. In other words, if you think that you absolutely can't, I'll never, I'll never be able to, guess what? You probably won't. But if you think you absolutely can by God's power and grace within you, then guess what? You probably will. And you can overcome. If you're the type of person who dwells on problems and you allow those problems just to play on a loop in your mind over and over again, they will eventually overwhelm you. But if you're the type of person who looks for solutions, you know what will happen? You probably will find one. If you are the type of person that blames everybody for everything that's ever happened to you and you feel like a victim, guess what? You're going to become one. But if you believe that you can overcome by the power of Christ, then you will. So often, the life you have is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. Now, I want to pause for a moment. I want to reflect on what we actually think about. And I want to encourage us to do a thought audit, a thought audit. I want us to think about what we think about. I want to look at three different categories to help us audit our thoughts. And here's the question. Are your thoughts typically characterized by this first group? Are your thoughts typically characterized by worry? Do you wake up being worried? Do you wake up with fear and anxiety about what the day is going to bring? Are you constantly worried about what people think about you, what your kids are doing and and the decisions they're making? Are you constantly uh, worried about your future? Are we going to make it? Is this world going to end tomorrow? Do you wake up being worried or filled with fear about your income, money issues, maybe your job, or maybe your health? Or on the flip side, do you wake up totally secure in God's promises for your life? Do you wake up going, hey, I know God's got this. I'm going to do what I can, and we're at that point in which I stop, I'm going to allow God to take over. I'm going to trust him, and I'm full of peace. Look at that scale. Are you on the worried side, or are you on the peaceful side? Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Maybe the second category, do you wake up, or do your thoughts tend to be negative? Do you tend to have negative thoughts? where you're critical of people. You find fault in everyone else. Maybe you're discontent. Life's too hard. Man, this is tough. Or I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. Or 
do you find yourself having more positive thoughts? You believe the best about other people. You know, life is good. You're optimistic about what God's bringing in the season ahead because you're full of trust. The third category is this. What characterizes your thoughts? Are you more more focused on the things of this world? Are you consumed with this life? I need more. I got to have more. More stuff is going to make me happy. More money is going to solve all my problems. A bigger house, a better car. You know, how, how many likes do I have on my social media posts? Or is your mind on making an eternal difference? God's given me these gifts. God's blessed me beyond measure. And I know it's to to give back and bless others. I want to reach people for the kingdom. It's about God's call on my life and his purpose for my life. I've surrendered myself to him. What is it for you? For you? Do you wake up or do you ha- tend to have negative thoughts or positive thoughts? Are your thoughts typically on this world or on eternity? What would you say characterizes the way you think? Because what we think, it really matters. What you and I think about matters more than you can imagine. Because what comes into our mind, the reality is it eventually comes out of our life. It comes out in our life. No matter what you do, what you have, where you go, who you know, what you buy, where you live, or where you travel, it doesn't matter. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. Why is that? Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest, strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I want you to ask yourself this. If we know to be true that our life always moves in the direction of our strongest thought, let me ask you this question and you ask yourself this question. Am I excited about the direction my thoughts are taking me? Be honest with yourself. Are you legitimately excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? I ask myself this often. And you know, the reality is, sometimes I'm not that excited about where my thoughts are taking me. Absolutely not excited. Sometimes my thoughts get so consumed with negativity, with worry, with fear, with anxiety. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? My thoughts get so consumed with discouragement and not just a one-time thing. What happens, if you're like me, they, they, they play on this endless loop in your head. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be smart enough. Over and over again. But I thank God that he gave me a spiritual wing woman. It's kind of like a wingman, but it's a female version of that. My wife, Kristen, you know what she does? When I get these loops stuck in my head, she helps me overcome them. She helps me overcome these negative thoughts by reminding me of God's truth. 
and the power in God's promises. And along with God's help, what it eventually does is it changes the way I think. It changes the way I think. It renews my mind by replacing all of the lies of the enemy that are on loop in my head with God's spiritual truth. And I know the reality is that every single one of us battles this same uh, war on some varying levels to varying degrees in our, in our mind, in your mind. We all fight this battle. So again, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the life of the Apostle Paul and we're going to ask God to renew our mind with truth. We're going to ask God to renew our mind with what? Truth. Renew our mind with truth. And today I want to establish the foundation upon which we're going to build over the next few weeks to help us change our thinking so God can change our life. Say no more. I'm going to ask this half of the room now. Say no more. Stinking thinking. No more. Stinking thinking. So here's the first First of the two main thoughts for this series and something I want to encourage all of us to do. And if you're taking notes, write this down. I want each and every one of us to identify the biggest stronghold that is holding you back. What is the biggest stronghold that's holding you back? Remember the stronghold where you are a prisoner locked in by a lie. You're locked in by a lie. What is your biggest mental stronghold that is holding you back. Maybe if you're like me, you might, you might be thinking over and over again that I'll never be good enough. I'll never be strong enough. My past is too bad for God to do anything today. Or I can't trust anyone. I'll never be able to trust anyone. I'm always battling my weight. Come on, somebody. It's like me. I'll never be good with money. I'll never have any because I'll never be good at it. I can't get close to God. I'll never have a job I love. All of the relationships that I've had and that I ever will have will always break down and it will be my fault. If you come to identify your negative thought, what we need to understand is this about our negative thoughts. What they actually do, they change the chemical makeup of our brain. The reason is because every thought creates like a, a neurochemical pathway. It changes in our body. When you think a positive thought, what do we get? We get this surge of rewarding neurotransmitters. It, it's a feel-good hit of what is called dopamine. And it's totally legal. And totally powerful. Every time your brain releases this dopamine, you get this feel-good hit. Somebody comments on your posts, and they like your post or your comment. You get tens of tens review, or like likes. And, and what happens, it makes you feel good. That's why we really scroll through it, uh, social media anyway, right? Or maybe for all the golfers, all three of us, we golf. Anybody else golf? Yeah. All right. You're on the golf course. You're on the tee box and you smash this drive like 
270 plus yards. And someone behind you in your foursome goes, wow, nice drive. What happens? You get this hit of dopamine. Or maybe one of your children, my daughter, says, dad, like your outfit, nice tiny bikes. You go, wow, my daughter digs what I'm wearing. And I actually do have tiny bikes on my shirt right now. It's that hit, that surge of positive release in our brain. We've all experienced it. We know. But what's interesting, the more often you think a thought, science tells us that the more often you think a thought, the easier it is to think it again. The more often you think a thought, you are creating a neural pathway in your brain. And we literally have billions of, of, of these tiny, tiny roads in our head, in our brain. And whatever you have been thinking becomes your default thought. It's the science. And like I said, a stronghold. We get caught up in this stronghold. It becomes a stronghold. If you believe a lie long enough, you begin to live as if that lie is true. Wrong thought patterns over and over again, you end up stuck in a rut. Stuck in a rut. I mean, imagine this with me. My mom actually lives up in a faraway place in Nevada called Silver Springs. You've probably never been there. But she lives in a neighborhood that's, there, there's no roads. It's all sand and dirt. And there's one main road to go into her neighborhood. Houses are like miles apart. And what happens on these dirt sand roads is the same, you know, all of it, it gets traveled on over and over and over and over again. And then in the wet season, the rainy season, what happens You drive on it a hundred days in a row, a rut forms and the ruts get deep and the ruts get so deep that once your tires get in these ruts, you can't steer out of the rut. You're locked in. And the only direction you're able to go is the direction the rut takes you. Now think with me for a moment. If for a hundred days straight, You allow a lie to be on loop in your mind. You know what happens? You begin to believe the lie. And it creates a narrow pathway through your brain. With the help of God, my prayer, our our goal is to renew our minds And we're going to stay off that old rutted path that we've been living on for a while. And we're going to forge a new pathway. Forge a new. It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. A new pathway in our brain toward the truth. And what does the truth do? It sets us free. It sets us free. And yes, it's both godly and science. Because didn't God create science? 
Romans 12, 2, the apostle Paul said it this way. He said, do not conform to the pattern of this world. He's saying, don't be conformed to the wrong way of thinking like the world does. He says, but be transformed by what? Say it together. By the renewing of your mind. That's staying off the old negative path and creating a new pathway based on God's truth. Negative critical thinking. It creates unhealthy unhelpful, narrow pathways. And what we need to do with those negative thoughts, we need to take them captive and we need to submit them to God. We need to submit them to Christ. And that way we create new pathways in our mind. Now, I don't know how this plays out in your life, but maybe when you have a frustrating day and you leave your house, you wake up frustrated and and the cereal gets soggy before you get to eat it and, and you're just upset. Tony knows what I'm talking about. And you get upset, and then you're driving down Tree Boulevard. I know this sounds specific, but this may or may not be what I've dealt with in my life. You're driving down Tree Boulevard, and you're at a stoplight, and your day's already going bad, and you side-eye the guy in the truck next to you, and you look at him, and he says, I want to fight you. (laughs) Not because of anything that he's done. You don't know the guy. You're just having a bad day. I know I'm not just preaching to myself today. But the new pathway says this. You know what I'm going to do? I don't know this guy. He's probably having a great day. I'm going to pause. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to give him a hug. (laughs) And not fight him. Maybe your old pathway is you feel bad about yourself and, and, and you're locked in this rut of when you feel bad about yourself, all you do is eat. Eat, eat, eat some more. You know why? Because it makes you feel better. You know what eating does? It gives you another hit of what? Makes you feel good. Your old pathway is, I'm going to walk down, because I can walk down to Seize Candy across the street in the shopping center from my house, and I can buy myself a pound of Seize Candy nuts and chews. And then I'll take it back home with an iced coffee, and I will see how far down the box I can get when I don't feel good about myself. That's what we do, right? We find ways to make ourselves feel better. But the new pathway is, hey, I don't feel good about myself. And instead of eating and eating, that's the old pathway. The new pathway says, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go for a walk. And you know what happens when you exercise and you work out? Not only do you get this hit of dopamine, but you also begin to feel better about yourself. That's the new pathway. Maybe for some, you're sitting there and you're going, man, I'm bored all the time. And when I get bored, I start scrolling through social media. And when I scroll through social media, I see pics of my friends on the beach and their legs in the sun with the water in the background. And I think I'm jealous and man, I'm a loser because here I am at work. But the new pathway, when you feel bored, forge a new pathway and say, I'm bored. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up my Bible and I'm going to read God's word. And not only am I going to read God's word, but I'm going to journal some of the truth and some of the promises that he gives me. And you're going to put some of God's word and some of God's truth in your brain so that your mind will be renewed. 
So what do we know? To think differently. To think in a different way, we need to forge a new path in our brain. Because the more you walk the path, the easier it becomes to travel. And if or uh, and the more you stay off the old path, guess what? The weaker the old path becomes. And the harder it is to think those negative thoughts again. So, this is the first part of our assignment and the first part of the foundation that we're laying. Identify your biggest stronghold that is holding you back. That's holding you back. Just one. And I know some of you are on like, hey, PG, how much time do you have? Because I got a litany of strongholds that are holding me back. No, I want to make it, just pick one. Pick your biggest stronghold that's holding you back. What is it for you? Maybe you're, you might be battling identity. You might be battling with, you know, with identity. You may be believing that you are not lovable, that you'll never be good enough. No one will ever love you, that you don't deserve anything good in life, that you'll always be broke, or that you'll never find someone to love and share life with. And it will always be your fault. What is it for you? Maybe you can identify with one of those. Maybe you feel like this whole thing's pointless, that, 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 that you're worthless. You believe you're, you're helpless and it's hopeless. Identify it for you. What is it for you? Identify that one stronghold. Put a name on it. Because I love what Pastor Craig Groeschel says in the book. In order to defeat it, you got to define it. Put a name on it. What is it for you? What is it for you? Identify your biggest stronghold. The second main thought for this entire series and the second part of our assignment for today is this. If you're taking notes, write it down. Name the truth. The what? Name the truth that obliterates that stronghold. So identify it and obliterate it. Name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Why does truth matter? Why does truth matter? Well, Jesus himself said this in John chapter 8, verse 32. He says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Listen, friends, the lie you are believing has you in spiritual bondage. The lie that you're believing right now. The reality is some of you are living a life based on a lie. A lie that you, that you come to believe. Some of you right now do not have what God wants you to have. Some of you right now are not living the life that God wants you to live because you've been believing a lie for a long, long time. Now, for some of you who say, ah, uh, listen, I, I'm not believing any lies. I know God's truth. There are some lies that we tend to believe because we hear them over and over again. Case in point, vitamin C cures the common cold. No, it doesn't. You know why we believe that? Because that's what we've been told over and over again. Or uh, how about this one? If you break it, you buy it. Which I found out was not actually the case because... My wife and I were at some store, and um, she wanted to show me this card, which now I believe God did not want her to show me. 
because she was on one side of the counter with ha- that had like all these uh, little glass bottles of essential oils. And the card she wanted to show me was on the other side of this counter. So what does she do? She reaches over to pick up this card and knocks down a number of bottles. And one broke on the floor. And the lady comes over and says, um, yeah, you're going to have to pay for that. Yeah, you're going to have to pay for that. And my wife's like, what? And then at some point she said, you know what? I'll just chalk it up to damaged merchandise. So I don't know, all those parents out there, you've been telling your kid a lie, and if you touch anything and break it, you buy it, knowing full well that your kid doesn't have the money to pay for it if they broke it. But that's, again, a lie we believe because that's what we've been told our entire life. Name the truth. I'm not sure who needs to hear this today. There's someone here that needs to hear this because you've been living a a life that was based on a lie for so long. I'm not lovable. I'm never going to be good enough. I'll never be strong enough. I'll never be pretty enough. I'll never be spiritual enough. You need to hear this. That you will know the truth that Jesus has set you free. Jesus has set you free. Who? Jesus has set you free. Again, Scripture says this. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Whenever that strong, whatever that stronghold is for you that has you in bondage, that plays on a loop in your mind, what do we do? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we do what? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Whatever it is, we take them captive. Whatever that negative thought is, we take it captive. And in fact, the Greek term, which means to take captive, it's a war term that means to attack with a spear or attack with a sword. It's having a strong offense against the attacks of the enemy. Remember, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. The weapons that we put on for battle are what? Ephesians 6 tells us what they are. We have the spiritual armor that we, that, that's available to us. And we know them, the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of what? Righteousness. The shield of faith, we put on the belt of truth. Our feet are fitted with the fullness and the gospel and the readiness of peace. Listen, all of those are defensive weapons. We only have one offensive weapon. You know what it is? Our only one offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit. And you know what the sword of the Spirit is? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. That's our offensive weapon. It is the Word of God that sets us free. His truth, the powerful living Word of God that is sharper than any double-edged sword. And what it does, it slices away at any lies the enemy throws against us. We let God's very word take captive any lies from the enemy that is holding us in bondage. So what is your stronghold? 
What is your strong, what are, what's that one thing that is holding you back? What is the lie that your spiritual enemy has tried to use to destroy your faith, to destroy your marriage, to destroy any relationships that you, what is, what is that lie that you've been believing that is keeping you from walking out God's purpose for your life or hearing his call for your life? What is that lie that you've been believing? What's your stronghold? If I can get personal for a second, you know what mine is? Mine is, you don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes to be a good father. You don't have what it takes to be a good husband. You don't have what it takes to be a good enough leader. You don't have what it takes to to be a, a, a good pastor. You don't have what it takes. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have what it takes. The reality is there's truth in it. It's funny. There's truth in that lie I've been believing. Which makes it easy to believe. I don't have what it takes. I absolutely don't have what it takes. Because in my sinfulness... There is truth that I don't have what it takes to be good enough. The good news is there is a strength greater than me that is absolutely more than enough. Because where I am weak and insufficient, he is strong and he is more than sufficient. So here's my truth to battle that lie. You'll never be a good pastor. You'll never be a good leader. You'll never be a good father. You'll never be a good husband. You don't have what it takes. You'll never have enough. Here's my truth. Philippians 4.13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's my spiritual sword to attack the lies of the enemy. I can do all this through Christ who gives me the strength. And through Christ, because Christ in me, because what Christ has done for me, guess what? I have enough time. I have enough energy. I have enough strength. I have enough resource. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. It says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will do what, church? What is the lie you have believed that is holding you back? What is the truth that you can use as your offensive weapon to attack the lies of the enemy? Now, if you're going, well, I don't know what my truth is. Maybe you're at a place right now where you got, you're, God's asking you, hey, get more into my word. Because our offensive weapon is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. 
What is the lie you've been believing? What is the truth that will set you free? Maybe for you, it's like me. I can't get it all done. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough resources. Here's your truth. Just like I said, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Because where I am weak, he is strong. Maybe you're feeling like, hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not beautiful. I'm not attractive enough. No one's ever going to like me. I don't like the way I look. Here's your truth. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. Maybe for you, you're, you're like, I just, I'm miserable. I feel miserable all the time. But your truth is joy, the joy, the joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Maybe you feel like you're all alone and you'll never have anyone else. Here's your truth. Doesn't matter if I have anyone else, for I know my God is with me and he will never, ever leave me. Maybe you believe the lie that you will always be a victim. Come on, if we're being honest. The truth is, you are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. You're an overcomer. Because I am not who my enemy says I am. I am who God says I am. Can I get an amen? Yes. What is your stronghold? What are you because when you know the truth, the truth will do what? Set you free. And the truth will set you free. Your life, what do we know? Our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What comes into our mind will eventually come out in our life. And we know that we cannot have a positive, faith-filled life when we have a negative, fear-filled mind. What are we going to do? We're going to take captive every negative thought and we're going to submit it to Christ. We're going to take captive every single lie and we're going to replace it with God's truth. Listen, friends, as you figure this out, if you, as you listen to God, as, as we're in his holy presence, as we're singing this next worship song, I want to encourage you and challenge you, don't stay locked in a prison of lies. Because when Jesus holds the key, you will be set free. When who holds the key? You will be set free. Thank you.